Colorado Avalanche won the division and therefore the dubiously valid COVID President's Trophy. And I just think that's neat. Safe to say this top line is the best in the league. Yeah, we are. Nathan McKinnon! Oh, Captain! My Captain! Do you know the way to San Jose? Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph, and you're locked into the Burgundy Radio Playoffs Preview, which probably you're listening to after some of the other teams' games start, but who cares about that? Coming up on the show, the Avs finish top in the league and get home ice for the whole playoffs. Um, oh boy, you're gonna you're gonna love who that's against. But before we play the whoosh, your disembodied voices for the week. As always, Earl06. Hello, Earl. Hello, friends. As always, Tiger Vixen. Hello, Jackie. Greetings. And joining us for the occasion once again is Vlad. How are you? Doing well, thanks. On Monday, Avs win 2-1 over the Vegas Golden Knights. Andre Barakovsky and JT Comfrey, your goal scorers. Alex Newhook, a pair of assists. Nathan McKinnon drew into this game for 20 minutes, but really didn't do much with it and sat the rest of the regular season. Avs got dominated in this game, though. They got outshot 37-21, which was 29-13 after two periods. But Philip Grubauer says no. We are winning this President's Trophy, damn it. And that's what they did. Then the Avs beat up the Kings for two games. JT Comfer got a hat-trick in one of them. Tyson Jost, the first-line center, scored two goals in the other. But nothing else interesting really happened. The Kings were president... Or president? Kings were president. The Kings were the president. The Kings were president in body only. And that's it. The non-stop slog of the 2021 NHL season comes to a close. How do you feel about the ending? I'm kind of exhausted, personally. But... Yeah. If if the playoffs don't rejuvenate, then nothing will. So I guess I'm ready. I'm ready for the real thing. But it just, I think it was the wear and tear of like the uncertainty with, you know, the COVID situations that made things a lot more uncertain. The injuries and the secrecy, it just felt like every day was trying to run some sort of CSI investigation of like figuring out what's going on with the players, what's going on with the team, what's going on with the league. It just, and obviously part of like my job and place in this fandom is finding stuff out, but it just wears on you. It gets exhausting. It's, it's, it's been a long, a long few months for me. Fun, but a long few months. But it pays off when you're the only person in the world who noticed that Connor Timmons was missing for the whole third period of the last game. (laughs) (laughs) I was the only person that saw Bo and Byron skate the other week that we didn't even talk about either. But, yeah, I how did nobody notice Timmons was missing? I mean, like, I get nobody necessarily keeps track of pairs and lines like I do, but when the guy had two assists in the second period, like, people are, you know, like, paying attention to him. And then it's, like, the period after, hello. <laughs> he was even the intermission interview. He was. Right. And it was easy to tell because Graves was in the box, so they literally only had two other pairs, and they weren't changing (laughs) because that's all they had. (laughs) 
So after you've seen Sam and Nemeth cycle through like three or four times, you're kind of like, wait. <laughs> if Sam has been with Nemeth that many times, the other pair is Taze and Makar, then where are the others? But yeah. So I would like to suggest that have to... even though the Avs were winning it, that game was boring as shit. And uh, wasn't they, really yes. pointing my eyes at it at all. <laughs> well, that's okay. You are not paid to point your eyes at it either. That is extremely <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah, I'd been up for 18 hours by the third period, so I was a little tired and I might have napped a little bit. <laughs> I wasn't necessarily on like full on eagle eye either. But I don't know. By the halfway point, it was like, there's something off. Well, I, I again like like the first game um, with the Kings in Colorado. Um, you know, this one was over early, and paying attention to it was it was difficult because obviously Los Angeles was not that interested in in trying to come back from being down five one and uh, or or six nothing in the first game, um, and it just it didn't make for a lot of. I don't know, gripping drama. So, um, it's, I, I, it's kind of weird how non-competitive the Kings were after putting up a pretty good fight the week before. I mean, it's, I could understand if there were like three weeks in between these games and the Kings lineup was markedly different. Um, but it wasn't. And the Avs just came out and I I think there were, there were a few things which, you know, we discussed before we started recording was one is the abs do seem to have a little bit more mojo at home Two, they got Sam back. So that that's a nice little bump right there. Yeah. And uh, three, I don't know, maybe they just finally checked out, even though that team was a lot of their younger players and they do have things to play for, you know, like jobs. So. Um, well, I do so- think, I mean, we all love Sam on this show, but I, I think the things that he does and the fact that, that adding him to Taves and McCarr gives you three guys that are you know, pretty good at breaking the trap, um, <clears throat> that, that sort of was the tipping point for Los Angeles. It's like their, their trap was just non-effective whatsoever. I mean, they just... Um, broke right through it each time, especially in the first and second periods. And, you know, I I think that shows exactly what the Avs' biggest strength is. It's breaking down teams that try to really clog up the neutral zone. And That's convenient. You know, in in some foreshadowing, that, that could be effective against our next opponent. And I think you probably at that point, Dowdy was over it. Like, he, he, he sure didn't give was. a crap. <laughs> Dowdy was not alone on the Kings no. in having a very different game plan than the Avalanche. The Avalanche game plan was we're going to come out and we're going to get ahead early and we're going to score a whole bunch of goals. And so that there's really the game just not close and you're not out here trying to make big hits and stuff. And yeah. so, some of the guys on the Kings had, you know, we're going to, you know, try to finish strong. And other guys on the Kings seemed to think the best thing to do tonight is speed around this game. Let's just get it over with as fast as possible. Yeah. Well, it's funny. There was no penalties in the second game through almost the second period when Graves finally fought Lemieux. 
for the hit on Sam, which was not a bad hit at all, but I get why he did it. It was bad enough. <laughs> Lemieux kind of ran around a lot all game long. Right, yeah. exactly. So that's why I don't mind that. You know, sometimes Graves isn't really a fighter, but he's one of our bigger guys. And and it's better Graves than, than one of our other options to take that <laughs> yeah. fight. Yeah. Because if, if Graves loses his hands, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. So I was fine with it. You do have to stick up for your teammates at some point. And especially since it was Sam, you know, you gotta you gotta say, you are not gonna be touching this guy. He's so way too important. Right, and with him coming back from injury so recently, you kinda wanna protect that, him a little bit more than you would other people. So I understand yeah, what Graves wanted to do in that situation and hey in a game like that where it's already out of reach you don't want to say hey maybe he was just bored and wanted something extra to do and just uh, have a little bit of fun but <clears throat> yeah absolutely go protect your star defenseman and make sure that nothing else happens to him or you don't have his services coming up in the uh, series and people like sticking up for Sam you know I yeah, mean Max did it <laughs> Graves did it you know it's like it's a club and then of yeah, course it... Ryan Graves gets two minutes for instigating and five <laughs> minutes for fighting and ten minutes of misconduct for wasting everyone's time because neither of them even landed a punch. No, yeah, that was a little much. And I think another thing was also to, also to ensure that that third period just didn't devolve into grossness. Yeah, you know, where yeah. it's just a bunch of cheap stuff, which that's absolutely what dabs don't need. And and it didn't. The Kings pretty much were ready to get back on the bus. But yeah, it just it flew by. That that even despite there being like twelve goals in those two games, they flew by. So I'm cool with that. Get that get that crap over with. Yeah, the refs seem to want to get out of there pretty quick too. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice those games were in doubt. Obviously the second game a little bit more since they, they were actually losing that game at the first intermission, strangely enough, but that was, that was that was that was a, a hockey is dumb period. moment. That was just yeah. a hockey is dumb moment. That's all it was. Outshoot um, them fifteen to one, and they they're down one nothing. <laughs> well, that's not quite how it was, dime, but really close. You know. <laughs> so, on a dime, as soon as that goal was scored, you could just kind of feel that Avs nature was ready to just break out the pitchforks and torches about why Jared Bednar started. Jojo in goal. I know. I, <laughs> I didn't want to have to hear that for the rest of eternity. Well, if yeah. only we played Grubauer, and then anything that happened in the playoffs would have been like, well, if he only played Grubauer, we wouldn't be playing this game. And it's just like, oh. <clears throat> so, yeah. yeah I'm, we dodged that bullet. I'm, exactly. There's other that discourse been... bullets coming, but we dodged that one. Um, and we kind of glossed over the Vegas game. Yeah, but, I was about to say, um, we, we we talked a lot about the games that I really didn't want to talk about. Because they were boring yeah. and shitty. Um, so, um, Avs played Vegas in Vegas, and they stunk, and they won. So, that's oh, fun. That was a terrible game. And I, it's, I, I think it's okay that it was terrible, because I think if you're Jared Bednar, you don't want to show Vegas anything that you might be thinking of trying in the second round if that's indeed what happens. I, I um, think he would have done anything for a better showing, though. Like, I don't know. Yeah, that's not... Is he, yeah. Not necessarily <laughs> the, the greatest strategic coach, even though he 
I think he does have ideas, but he's not necessarily like a big game plan guy. So I don't I don't know what he's gonna have up his his sleep for them. But he 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 was disappointed, and I even despite the win because he wanted them to look better than that. And legitimately yeah. so, because they looked awful. They real, did. real, real bad. Except no, for I mean, the one position that matters. You know, I don't even... I mean, he, Grubauer obviously was good enough to only give up one goal, but I would not have characterized that as the... This was our goaltending win. I just... it For me, it didn't feel like that was the, the vibe or the turning point or really the storyline of that game. What was it for you? You know, the, the secondary guys, it was them producing those goals is uh yeah burkowski was the first one and then uh and comfer the other one it just just opportune just just a little bit better at the end of the game really i don't think it was like a group hour made all these like 20 fantastic saves standing on its head getting lit up kind of thing it just just was kind of a little bit of the magic bullshit went our way, really. Yeah, I mean, I think that I, I think their defense was probably better than it looked on paper. Um, just because I, I think Vegas went full volume and it just wasn't the call. I think they needed more quality out of that game. And I, I think that's one thing the Avs are good. Even when they look bad, they're pretty good at limiting other teams' shot quality. I was going to say, like, I don't feel like Vegas quite had their transition game going. Yeah. Which is what we were helping with, but we just weren't able to grab that possession. So, yeah, we were, like, more defending than really asserting our offense. Yeah. Which Bednar prefers to see that, see us be the aggressors. And that's saying something, considering how underpowered Vegas was because of how they managed their cap all season long. Vegas yeah. was really left with no other choice other than to try to be the aggressor and try and raise the bar to such a point that the Avs had to try to compensate. And you can tell by... Yeah, I guess that's... That you can just tell that it's just... What they had set out to do, the Avs sloppily made their way through it. But I don't know about the rest of you, but even in that final minute and a half when Leonard was on the bench, I didn't really feel an overwhelming sense of panic despite what my Fitbit said and my heart rate was uh, at whatever <laughs> rate it was at the time but I didn't feel like nah this this isn't gonna work they they shot their wad and it's then Vegas is just they're just gonna take the L on that yeah that's yeah, the I, other yeah. angle on it that we didn't mention is that Vegas due to cap mismanagement played this game with <laughs> I want to say 10 10 forwards and five defenders yeah. And yeah. Uh, boy, they sure He's ran out of gas. <laughs> the third yeah. period, they really ran out of gas. It showed on the ice. It shows in the graphs of the of, of you know shot attempts over time. It's very very clear, which is not an excuse for Vegas. It's manage your team better because that's what happens. Yeah. Well, well, on one hand, they were left with the good players, right? Like right. They were missing guys yeah. like Reeves and and Peyton Krebs, who is a good young player, but he's he's hardly played for them, you know, things like that. Those are the guys that were missing. They still had all the big guns, but it is the same argument I made when it matters who your reserves are, because you just need that little bit extra 
to win an important game and your guys are burned out and you can also make the case that the fact that they sort of overshot with their cap earlier in the season maybe you know maybe a point or two was because of that and that's that's sort of the penalty they paid on on monday night (laughs) that would be fun like uh hopefully the lightning get finally get their cap penalty oh yeah we're gonna talk about that (laughs) yeah no one's gonna want to see that team win the cup this year but um (laughs) But I think Vlad brings up a good point that after the Abs got that to two to one, I didn't feel like that that they were going to give it up either. That it felt like that's what they needed, and that and they were yeah. going to bring it home at that point. It, yeah, you felt like yeah, we got this. I didn't it, feel that it, way because of how the game was going, like because of how the teams are playing. That's the way to put. I that. know it's easy I, to say that in hindsight when you're like, oh boy, that. Yeah, but that, that, but that, that's <laughs> like, no, it wasn't. That's totally not, not the perspective I had on it. The perspective I had on it was, oh, this is one of those games. Okay, yeah, we're probably gonna win. <laughs> I I don't think that any of us at at that moment in time said, you know, breathe a heavy sigh of relief and went, oh, thank God, JT Comfort came and saved the day. I don't think anybody <laughs> was saying that. It was more that, wow, uh, JT Comfort exists. <laughs> yeah, yeah. right because i feel i feel pretty strongly that that game with with mark andre Fleury starts in net vegas wins one to nothing that yeah i was, gonna say I was that wondering too. about I don't know that why they, why they played leonard i mean not that he's a bad goalie but just that Fleury has had so much success because yeah. I, I mean it would, they they keep going back to that they always you know they've been switching off back and forth you know one after the other um for I guess a couple months now, and that's just you know, it was just Leonard's how it turn. came up. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't yeah. like look into it or anything. So if it was his turn, it was his turn. But yeah, and, and that's not to pin the whole loss on Robin Leonard. I mean, you scored one goal. You you scored yeah. a goal. You, your goalie needs more help than that. Um, yeah, but that the what what offensive Avs did muster was not the kind of shots that have been beating Marc-Andre Fleury this season. He's been having a pretty good one, and uh, that, that wasn't a great one from Colorado. But we take the result, and as a result, uh, the Avs have our postseason schedule now. They play on Monday. That's game one against the stupid St. Louis Blues. An 8 o'clock oh. mountain start on NBC Sports. Wednesday is 8.30 mountain, which is disgusting, by the way, on CNBC. And then on Friday, Game 3 in St. Louis, 7.30 Mountain on USA Network. You're writing this down? These games are all over the place on U.S. Cable. They'll continue every other day until the I series ends. <laughs> right. Uh, but Game I 4 just... is still time TBD. Probably trying to decide which series gets the big boy NBC matinee start. We'll probably do our next episode before then anyway. I hate everything about this <clears throat> schedule. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially funny... Monday because... Uh, Boston and Washington precede us, and they start at seven thirty. So there's no chance that game's going to be over at ten. So they'll, they'll, they they'll just... delay it a little bit. I mean, if it goes to overtime, they're not going to, but they'll give it a shot to conclude. Yeah. So look yeah, for game it's... one on NHL Network. Right. Exactly. Yeah. They're going to put it on a different channel. Yeah, they might delay it a little bit, but then at some point they're just going to have to start it on another channel. Right. But but the funny thing is, is that they had put out the the schedule options before that final game. And so the Minnesota series was always going to get the better games than the St. Louis series, which I think is a bit crazy personally, but 
I mean, maybe they just think St. Louis is going to be out so fast they didn't want to invest in. Yeah, I mean, generally they're going to go time. with the the more competitive matchup. Did it, I wonder if it had but, anything to do with with building availability as well? Because the, the the Minnesota series was always starting on Sunday. Maybe, but why did they give Minnesota the two NBC games? Which um, that surprised me a bit. So that Pierre can go on and on about Zach Parisi. <laughs> As a healthy scratch. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> I would. I know we're jumping that. ahead of ourselves here, but remember, Ryan O'Reilly is a hockey player. He That's sure is. is. <laughs> right, so, I'm a hockey hot. player. So how do we feel about the the Avs in this series against that hockey player? I, I did that. Good God. I did not want to see the Blues again. I, when we were in the middle of that four-game set with the Blues, it was just like, you guys, we do not want to do this for the playoffs. Because we won some of those games. We did not win them early. We won them late. This is not going to be a fun series. Yeah. Not because we think the Avs are going mean, to lose it, but because watching be it is going to suck. Yeah. No, I mean... It is going to be stressful. And I don't think well, the Blues are as... Bad. I don't think they're as good as when they won the cup. I also don't think they're as bad as their record indicates. It's going to be a lot closer. I don't think so. Well, they've they've been kind of hot lately. Um, specifically, yeah. Ryan O'Reilly's been kind of hot lately, um, which is going to just set us up to talk about Ryan O'Reilly and Avs fandom for two weeks straight and kill me. Yeah. Ugh. That's, that's going to be the tough thing for me is having neutral commentators. So they're just going to talk about radar the whole time. And it just, you know, I just don't you, enjoy hearing about it. I'd rather just, you know, commentate on the game. And you could probably, I still think Altitude is doing these games. So you could probably still watch Altitude. Dater Not put live. out something where, no, they will be live. Like, no, I can't watch them live. Oh, okay. Well, it'll, it'll be on an NBC channel. Can you watch it in Spanish? remember when the sat button just turned off commentary yes that was awesome (laughs) i I wonder if i could watch it in french yeah it's 2021 why can't you just turn off the commentary let's let's see if there's french broadcast for these games oh i accidentally closed the schedule let's reopen the schedule there are but again like the i i can't like the if, if it's on NBC, I can't watch it on the app live. Um, which actually, now that I think about it, it's like Monday and Wednesday's games I will not be able to watch live since they're past my bedtime. Um, so Those games I, are past my bedtime and I'll actually be there. <laughs> I know yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah, in, in addition to the Nationals, yeah. these games are on uh, TVAS, Altitude, and BSMW. Bally, Bally Sports, Sports Midwest. Bally? Bally is the yeah. new Fox, isn't it? Is, yeah, they, they bought they... Fox. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Well, I do want to bring up, and da- only Dater has said this, so I don't necessarily believe it, but he did say something about how the the local channel isn't going to have the blackout rights, which I don't really believe that because it's always been this way in the first round. But we'll see. Because it would be nice for me to actually record some of these since I do have things to do at the end of this month. I don't know. Hasn't he said that like every single time this has happened and been wrong I know, and every then he's wrong. Time? And then it's like, no, the first <laughs> Who knows? round is like that. Yeah. He, he just says stuff. Who knows? 
I know. I, I think the only easy thing to do is if, if the Avs do get an NBC game, you can get it on an antenna. Well, right, that one. And sometimes NBC Sportsnet does have an exclusive. Right. But none of the ones, so not games one, two, and three are exclusive. I, Steph, you do bring up a good point that that Sunday game could possibly be a national game for game four. But we just don't know about that one yet. Right, and by the, by the time you hear from us again, we will know. So, if you, if if we are your only source of the Av schedule, you'll find out. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I would like to recommend avalanche.nhl.com and then click on schedule. It's all right there. Um, but I think I think Vlad should talk to us a little bit about going to these games since that's sort of a unicorn. <laughs> yeah. How do you uh, well, feel about so- that? And um. Have you been to any of the 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 five paltry <laughs> regular season games, or will this be your first foray? So uh, this will be my first trip back to, uh, well, my first trip to Ball Arena <laughs> since that Ball Rangers Arena. game back in March uh, last year. I didn't bother uh, with any of the five regular season games because I thought, well, if I'm going to, you know, say bye bye to a whole bunch of money, I may as well save it for something meaningful. Um, so the, the actual experience of going on Monday, I think is going to be really strange because it'll be my first time outside of being in a grocery store where there's going to be a whole bunch of people in one enclosed area. Yeah. And after having spent the last 14 plus months, uh, with maybe no fewer than, uh, handful of people most days and on those odd days going to the grocery store this is going to feel very unsettling that being said i am fully vaccinated so i am i feel a lot more comfortable about being in an environment like that so in terms of a health and safety standpoint i think i feel a lot better now than i did a month ago uh, when i hadn't started my vaccine regimen so there's that there's that uh, i did receive some uh, material from uh, Cronky Sports about the expectations for people that are going to be in attendance for the playoffs. And I won't go through the whole laundry list here, but just some of the highlights are, of course, wear a mask. The playoff seats are all going to be spaced out. So for that reason, I ended up not buying one, but two playoff seats. So buy, buy more money. Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> I understand yeah, you have to. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Was there one pot... I know they talked about pods. Was there singular pods at all, or it's like two two pod minimum? So here's here's how the whole thing worked for uh, the season ticket holder base is you had your choice of two different styles of pod. You had a two-seat pod, and then you had a four-seat pod. And you had to buy all the seats all at the same time. And you could do them either round by round, or you buy a, a playoff strip, so you would essentially lock your place in for as long as the Avs play in the postseason, and you would be guaranteed to have a seat at the lowest price, which I don't know about the rest of you, but to me that says, hey, round one's going to be this much. Round two's going to be a lot more. Round three, more. <laughs> Cup final, back up the armor truck. <laughs> so <laughs> I bought well, the playoff I strip. Under- yeah, what I don't understand is why even... If you didn't have to pay for it, all, if you bought the strip, you still didn't have to pay for it all up front. So why would anybody do the round by round? Because 
then it's just going to cost you more, but you still don't have to pay for it all up front. So why not just agree to do the whole thing? And then you don't even, but you, you're not out the money immediately. I think there's that, uh, hope if that's sort of, that's appropriate here that, Oh, well, <laughs> Avis fans can maybe not go to the first round because they're going to make it to the next round or, the following round so i don't need to be there for round one i'll go in there right about to hit the cup final okay i guess that makes sense make sure they sell them all but the funny thing is this morning i was looking on Ticketmaster, and you can tell what because since they're the official partner whatever you can tell which are it says which are resale and their standard ticket which just means it's it's basically the extra tickets the abs put out there there were actual standard tickets available for Especially for game five and seven, not so much for one and two. But I was surprised because they're making this big deal about how, like, the season ticket holders can only buy or get on this list if you have extra tickets. It's like, no, just go to Ticketmaster, even though it's probably is more there than if you buy them through the team. But there are there. Yeah, and I, I was just, just on a personal note, I was absolutely enraged at the process of how to purchase playoff tickets when. Um, Mainly from a technical standpoint, because Ticketmaster's website is garbage for one and two. Yeah. Uh, my laptop was trying to uh, run some Windows updates in the background while I was trying to do this. <laughs> I only had a one-hour window to uh, run my pre-sale. So I'm like, hey, laptop, clock's ticking. We got to get going on this. <laughs> That's hilarious. But, <laughs> and, so the, and, and to that point, because... <laughs> The laptop was taking so long that the seats that I was looking at originally, by the time I had, to, I was ready to buy the tickets. I'm sorry, these tickets are not available. Please refresh uh, your window and try again. Uh, oh, that's the worst. Oh. So when I did that, I was, those seats were all gone, and I had to end up getting a second, you know, make a, make a different choice, which was fine, you know, given the the choice of oh, do I get to go or do I not get to go and miss my chance. So. <laughs> I managed to get in, but holy sticker shock. This was a lot more expensive than I bargained for. <laughs> when you did it, was the the full capacity available that they're going to have, the 7,700 or whatever it is, as opposed to 4,500? No, at that point, the announcement hadn't been made okay. when my pre-sale window opened that morning, and they made the announcement at that point that after that. The and that might be a be. reason... Yeah, and that might be a reason that Jackie saw so many tickets on Ticketmaster that were... Yeah, burdened. they just put the extras on there. <clears throat> By no means is it cheap. I mean, it's still probably like 200 a seat, but that's like lower bowl. That's pretty much what I'd be willing to do. Like, I'm not paying 400 a seat for upper bowl so that Joe Blow can price gouge everybody. No, <laughs> but 200 each for lower bowl, that's more like... That's a lot, but I mean, that's kind of like reality. Mm-hmm. But my husband did and not want to then. go to round one, so we'll wait. Well, I'll be one of those people and be hopeful. So you, you, you're one <laughs> of the humorous people get him later. There. Like, oh, I don't yeah. need to go to round one because we're just going to win it. Oh, it's I know. More He's like, like, you're going to ask me to go to a blues game? <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> that's, that's uh, he doesn't. He doesn't care between. He doesn't care between team team like that. But. Um, but I'm also not going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to wait for the cup finals. No big deal. Like, round two is probably enough where <laughs> my motivation's up. 
Right. Yeah. yeah. If if you're one of these and, people and that's the like, if, if you're one of these people that's just waiting for later rounds, I mean, that's I, you need to understand your yeah. hubris. <laughs> well, then also the price and the difficulty goes up. So like skipping yeah. round one, it makes sense. But I, I think where my motivation plus the <laughs> not wanting to crawl back into like crazy craziness and spend way too much for the later stuff. And Earl, too. to your point, it's it's not that, you know, I have this overwhelming urge to, you know, jump at the chance to see the St. Louis Blues in person again. Uh, <laughs> I've done that way too many times already, and it's a painful <laughs> sure. experience. But, yeah. but at the same time, you know, looking at it from not just a hockey standpoint, but from a historical standpoint that, you know, we're, we're living obviously through historical and unique circumstances. So just to be able to be there, and we're, as you said, Jackie, this is a unicorn. To actually be yeah. there for this experience, I think that is a unique, very unique opportunity. And I haven't even begun to think about, well, gee, uh, how do we approach this for, for you know, the, the folks that, you know, we engage with in our Discord and the folks that we engage with on social media and the folks that we engage with through the website? This is going to be a very rare thing. And A, I'm glad to be a part of it. But two, I'm like, good God, not the blues. <laughs> oh no it's just ugh. and i was gonna ask you and, and i know the answer i'm sure but you're, you're not going to be able to go down to the ice during warm-ups right <laughs> no i i don't expect to do that uh, i don't know if anybody's noticed but there is like that yellow caution tape they have yeah. uh, around the seats yeah there's like I a six about... row barrier yeah i don't yeah, think yeah. they even up. sold anything the, at least the first 10 rows if not more no i think that's when they're letting the families go if you saw some pregame, some of the the players kids like right. landy's kids yeah like, Gabe, Gabe can stand. sit there and shoot pucks at his kids and the kids can just sit there like yeah it's a puck what it's no i'm cool <laughs> i'd be so flinching. maybe those are the ones that are allowed down there yeah probably not us us folk i hopefully next year though i really do enjoy being at the glass for a warm-up yeah, I mean that's a great part of going to the game early. I mean, you get to you know you, you get to wander about when most people haven't showed up yet, and you know go down to the glass or sit behind behind the and bench I don't, and I don't see just sort well, of get so the perspective. I, I like I like to see the players up close. I don't see that well, so I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of cool when they stand right in front of you. Yeah, you're like it wow, is. that guy's and... like an inch away. <laughs> And you get more of an appreciation for not just the speed of the game, but also for like the like the hand eye coordination that players have or the actual like do these players actually like being next to each other and being, you know, such, you know, on the same squad together. You get to see more of that camaraderie versus what you see on TV. And you also don't have to deal with this bullshit about uh, here's your draft playoff line nonsense that we've had to, you know, get shoved down our throats all season long. Yeah, don't, you don't have to worry about any of that. Let's not name drop any of these non-sponsors here. <laughs> yeah. I also like to watch their little rituals, like how I knew Sam definitely has one. Um, yeah, Sam definitely has one. Belmar has one. Uh, Lance Gog has one where he flips that puck into the air and tries to catch on to the end of his blade. And the push The whole thing, like if they catch a ridge on the ice and they have to do push-ups that's that's pretty fun <laughs> and like they're skating too like sam's skating always stick, jumps out at me live 
think that's one thing you notice is you're just like, yeah, it looks cr- incredible on TV, but live, you're just like, how does that guy move like that? It's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, as as someone who's I, I've been fully vaccinated since early February, and uh, basically changed nothing about my routine after that happened. Um, like I, I went to a, a restaurant in person for the first time a couple of weeks ago, and it was weird as shit. It it's so weird. Um, so I, I can only imagine what that's going to be like for everybody who's, you know, cramming themselves into an arena to stand there and, and yell in each other's vicinity for, for three hours. But ho- yeah, hopefully you're like, not well, the only one who's you... vaccinated when you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, yeah, I'm hoping more people than not are are vaccinated in, in or around my presence, but... I guess in some ways that's no different from trying to, you know, go and buy, buy food. You just run that risk. So, but yeah. at, we're at the point now, hopefully where we're seeing more of that trend, not to deviate off the subject of hockey, but yeah, pe- people in the grocery store are not usually standing around you yelling. You hope. Um, well, there's sure there like some Tuesday that... at 10 30 with all the old ladies. <laughs> 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 There's still, I'm sure, will be some distance because obviously they're doing the, the pods. And when I was in Arizona, I mean, they, you really felt like you were kind of alone. You really were. And, and there's going to be a lot more people than that, so that people will be a lot closer. But, um, you know, having probably nobody sitting right above or uh, in front of you and or right next to you, that that is going to be a significant change from normal i think yeah and there's not going to be people you know trying to you know cross the row ahead of me you know when they're coming up from puck stoppage or people trying to you know get you know get around me there's a really there's a nice little buffer for about like four or five rows uh between where i'm sitting and the people that are the next row back and there are like five or six seats to my right Oh, true. Further up. So. You don't have to awkwardly wiggle past strangers because you have to pee. That's awesome. I know. It was kind of nice. Like, it was so nice. There was maybe, like, six people in front of us in line walking in, and then no one's sitting around you, and you could get up whenever you wanted. Like, that part was nice. I so, bet you didn't know. get a beer dumped on you. <laughs> no. Definitely not. <laughs> Do you have to go on a certain entrance? Anything like that? Like, in Arizona, you had to go in, I, I think they have maybe, like, 12 entrances, so they specifically said you had to go in a certain entrance based on where your seat location is. Hmm. Is Ball Arena doing that at all? I haven't seen anything in the literature that they've sent out. Uh, really, the only things that they've said, you know, if you're sick, stay home. Uh, Ball Arena is no, long, is no longer accepting cash, so always credit card. They're not, they have a no-bag policy. Uh Always yeah, make sure which, that you have your your tickets on yeah, your the no digital bag, device. Yeah, the no bag thing, they had that in Arizona as well, which, you know, I, I need to carry a few things with me. So what I used was actually um, those money belts. I think that's how you call them. Like, they go underneath your clothes. Hmm. And I just I just did it that way because I don't have pockets. I need to carry my lip gloss and a few, my phone. The, the bag and... policy is a weird security theater. Like, are, are people aren't carrying in COVID viruses in their bags. That's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, so for anybody, females that are listening to this, that's what I did. And 
as long as it, it went under my clothes and it was something that I didn't take off to go through security. Cause I, I already had my phone in my hand, but anything that I knew wouldn't set it off like lip gloss, money, you know, whatever was in my money belt. And that wasn't a problem. So that's how you get, get, get through that rule, which is a bit distressing personally. But, um, and then I didn't feel like there was anything like, you had to only buy food from this one section or you only had to go to this restroom. Like maybe technically you were supposed to stay within your section, but there wasn't any, anybody with like a rope saying you, thou must not cross. So they probably won't have that at ball <laughs> arena either. That's cool. So I, I'm a very restless person. So when I go to a hockey game during the first intermission for sure, and maybe also the second one, I just go do a lap around the concourse, just walk all the way around. Um, because I've been sitting long enough and I need to move. Um, so hopefully there, there's not restrictions to keeping people from doing things like that. But obviously you're going to use what's close to, to be, you. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't I expect that, there to be any restrictions on that. Yeah, if they haven't said anything, there probably isn't. But I've heard, I heard in some arenas there was more of a restriction. Like if you're in such and such section, you can only use this concessions, this restroom. Yeah, I've heard and then that. obviously the, this this entrance. So like everything that you use was going to be in like that one section. And don't get me lying, but I want to think that that was something that Dallas put in place when when they were one of the first teams to allow fans in their building. It was like you are you are the only people in your section, and you do not use other concessions. Yeah. So with more when when now they're getting closer to fifty percent capacity, that that's probably something they're they're not going to police anymore. It'd be impossible to to enforce. So. Um, yeah. So hopefully everybody who's able to go feels comfortable about going, feels uh, you know, reasonably secure that they are in a place where they're reasonably safe to go. If you haven't got stuck yet and you're able, obviously highly recommend doing that. Let's get the show back on track and talk about the actual hockey game that everyone is going to go watch. Um, Colorado versus St. Louis. This is a team that we've seen a few times through the regular season. We beat them a few times through the regular season. The games are often crap, but we keep winning them. So you take the result. The uh, yeah, the matchup dude. is interesting. I I want to start with the with the goaltending matchup, and then we'll just not break it down anymore specifically from there. Just because Philip Grubauer versus Jordan Bennington is a very strong avalanche advantage, assuming you know that that's actually what happens. I hope yeah. it's against Huso, but I don't think so. <laughs> I was looking. They, I, I was looking at their team stats, and they only used two goaltenders, which is kind of shocking. Not five this year. They didn't even they use a, a third. They only used Bennington and Huso very little. So, um, yeah, Bennington's been up and down. We know that he can play decent at times, but he's he's not quite the cup-winning goaltender he was. <laughs> but he does have a six-year, yeah, six-million-dollar contract, though, so that's fun. Yeah, for them. I think it's fun for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not paying it. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely think that's a, an Avs advantage. And, you know, he is the goaltender they saw the most of in the games that they played. So they're going to know what they have to do. Just shoot the puck. I will. 
I will say yeah. in general, I do at least appreciate the novelty of, of not having like the Dabs have gotten lucky with having a lot of different variety of playoff opponents. And they haven't played blue the blues in a while. I don't remember the exact date, but it's been what at least if 10, third round 15. in two thousand one. Yeah, it hasn't been this era of the twenty years. Sure. That's a long so time. Yeah, twenty years. I knew it wasn't like any time in the recent era at all. Or even in the we're crap, but we still don't admit it era. <laughs> it, it feels wrong. <laughs> it, it feels really wrong. Um, because game eighty two felt like a playoff game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's the truth. They just haven't seen the Blues in the postseason in a really long time. They've seen Minnesota. They've seen they sure have. San Jose. A lot of green teams. So, so I do appreciate novelty, actually. I guess maybe some people love the 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 rivalries you get for playing the same team over and over in the playoffs. But no, for me, I'm very much like a novelty variety kind of person. I I just appreciate the spice of life. So. <laughs> Having a different playoff opponent is is appreciated to that extent, at least. Well, it's, it's kind of weird because for the last two years, the Avs have really played the, the Pacific Division playoffs. Right, and, exactly. And now they're kind of in the Pacific Division and they get a Central Division opponent. <laughs> Maybe two. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I do think it's nice. Like, I, I don't... I don't enjoy watching the Blues games, but I, I do think it's nice when you when you do have some history with in, in the playoffs with opponents in your division. You know, like we're when we do finally get back together with Dallas next year, we'll have that, and whatever happens in this series, we'll have that with the Blues. <clears throat> um, we sort of had it with Nashville, but they've you know we the teams have gone in such it's been opposite too directions. long, yeah, yeah. But it is a good point. I definitely feel a little bit different towards Dallas. I guess we'll see how that manifests when we actually are in the same division again. But yeah, could be something similar like that. Well, Earl, you bring up a good point about the goaltending, and I was just trying to think about this here. Uh, over the course of the last three seasons that the Avs have been back in the playoffs, they've faced Pekarinam, they've faced Martin Jones, uh, David Riddick, Mike Smith, uh, Martin Jones, Darcy Kemper, Auntie Ranta, Anton Kudobin, and for like 10 minutes of Ben Bishop. <laughs> and now we've got uh, Jordan Bennington. So we've, we've seen a variety of different goalies, but I, and just, uh, I don't really feel any sense of, Oh, the abs are in for a tough battle between the pipes, because I think that out of any of those goalies that I just mentioned, Jordan Bennington probably is on the lower tier, even winning a cup in terms of skill among all of those other, other goaltenders he has to face. Well, yeah, for I mean, one, I can't believe Rene was probably Jones, the... but <laughs> I mean, Rene was probably the toughest goalie they faced. Cause at that time that he, you know, he was both good and had the Avs number and they didn't have much problem with him. I mean, their, their problems were deep rooted in other areas of the game. I don't really feel uh, like, the, the big storyline in this series is going to be goaltending. I, I guess you know, assuming knock on wood, full health, and assuming you know, both put up expected performances. I guess you could say, you know, you should give the edge to Grubauer for the season he's had, but I don't think that would be the reason why the Abs would win this series. 
and it's weird that a lot of the national media is focusing on that. Like, oh, the Avs should, you know, they, they should have a pretty easy time if they get the goaltending. And you're just like, <laughs> what about Philip Grubauer saying, boy, I sure can't handle the St. Louis Blues right now. It's like they had, um, it's because they hadn't seen a game between those teams at all. Like that, I, the story was not goaltending that. The story is okay. You need to have good enough goaltending to say that we don't have to overcome bad goaltending in this game. The story has never been goaltending. You know who scored the most goals in the National Hockey League this season? The Colorado Avalanche. Like, you're not relying on goaltending. It's nice. Well, not when the possession. It's not just the goals, but it's... And I think as far as just pure scoring, I don't think the Avs were very much ahead of the the other teams. But it was the possession that was what has been the story of the Avs season at historic highs. And I don't know where they finished like all time since the regular season's been over. But to be pushing nearly 60% possession over any sort of regular season is like mind-blowing, really. So, yeah, especially when they've led as much as they did, because usually when you lead, you're not going to be leading possession. Um, that, that's a trend that they bucked big time this year. Um, so, it, you know, I think you're right about that. For me, the storyline is how much of this series is going to be played at five on five, because five on five, the abs are just they're the best team in the league at five on five and the blues, I believe are not even at 50%. So that's why some of the, a lot of these analytic models and such have the abs as, as such a huge favorite, because when you have a very good possession team against one that isn't even average, all the models are just going to say, there's just no way that you're going to overcome that over seven game series. So, and I agree with that, but yeah, I've seen the, the task is you have to keep it at five on five. I mean, I don't think, I don't think teams have ever had much of a problem playing a lot five on five. Um, you know, sometimes in the first round you do get more calls than you would obviously in like the third round. But um, you know, I don't think we're going to be seeing like five and six power plays per team per game. Well, the Avs hope you don't. Yeah, <laughs> and and we've talked plenty about how it still has. It, it was a problem for them. It was a huge problem for them in the Dallas series. And the second round series, you should see even fewer, but it, it still was one of their main problems. So uh, well, the blues are a pretty low event penalty team. They don't, they, they neither draw nor take a lot of penalties. Well, that's perfect. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the, the abs, you know, the abs draw more penalties than any other team in the league. And they have the best penalty differential. In the league. So um, but then I, it, I don't it, I don't it, see it being high event as as a normal Avs game. But I, you know, however it works out, I do see the Avs having a bit of a penalty differential advantage. You gotta, but like you as Steph has so. said in the past, if you're a team that draws a lot of penalties, you also will expect to give penalty. Right, because That's the way life works. When you get an early penalty, the ref remembers that, and when the other yeah. team does something later that looks like a penalty, you can even it up. And now. You did not influence the game. Well done, you, you giant coward. Um, but Colorado's power play produced really well for most of the season and then kind of fell asleep toward the end. And the penalty kill was a nightmare for most of the season that stopped being propped up by unreal goaltending toward the end. So 
please just, I mean, let's let's get through this with an if if the Avs get through this with an even special team score, they should have no trouble winning the series. Oh God, yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think they can afford to even give up a little bit on special teams differential. Um, Which is convenient because they really they're gonna have that happen to them. Well, I mean, it really like St. Louis's penalty kill is not that great. So, I, I mean, I, I do think like probably even is the most likely outcome. Um, I do remember that even some of those penalty kills were horrifying against the Blues. That the Abs yeah. were scoring at least one power play goal against them. I haven't looked it up, but I I think I recall they. They were at least getting power play goals, so that will help. Well, they're you know, playing against fill in the too, hole, so. <laughs> right? Well, that'll help too. But I remember those kills; they were not pretty. No, they got no help at all. Um, so, but like like we've said, me personally, and and I think a few of us other than me also on this show, throughout the last several months, if there's anything that derails, like anything predictable that derails this this cup run for the avalanche other than you play vegas and you get beat because they're really good too it's gonna be the penalty kill yeah i mean that's that's the match if you're gonna focus on one thing to to really look for a differential in the series it's gonna be st louis's uh, power play against our penalty kill um that's the one way that they can probably make up for their deficiency five on five um you know it's like if they're if they're coming out with, you know, a power play goal, you know, every other game, that's not good. For them. Not good for them. Because I think you can overcome 0.5 goals a game against being the difference. Um, yeah. It's... Like I, I mean, I'm always one who very strongly emphasizes that 5v5 is basically everything. And I just want to reemphasize now, that's a regular season mindset. The playoffs are random. And what happens randomly in one game will change the whole series. A, a, a good power play can win you a game, which means it can win you a series. And a bad penalty kill will lose you a game, which means it will lose you a series. So, And that's yeah. just something I want to see. I want to see the power play be able to win a game. Like, can you get a third period power play either when you're tied or when you're down one and score on it and and change the game and that's what i want to see yeah because i mean that's something that we've seen in in round two game sevens for the past two years it's like they could have won those games if that situation had presented itself you know it just didn't and that's why you can't just look at just raw statistics and say oh well they have a 20 percent power play what more can you expect and it's like yeah and like you said, the playoffs are so situational that, okay, that's nice, but you're either going to do it or you're not right now. And and if you don't, then you're going home. Right. And speaking of and situational, it... the Avs have long had difficulty winning at Enterprise Center over the last few seasons. Uh, so if, if situational be being in its most literal terms, if they can at least get the split between games three and four and still carry their home ice advantage, I think that really bodes well in their favor to close out this series early. 
It, we, I'm not we, expecting yeah. this to go much past five. <laughs> I, I, I know. Steph said no predictions, but... Yeah, we're, so we're feeling good about it overall, <laughs> is the, the general feeling here. Yeah. I feel like they're going to win, but asking to do it in five might be a little... A little optimistic. It's funny how a series that goes five feels so much different than a series that goes six. Always find six it. is average. You know, it's like five is one team dominated. <clears throat> right, exactly. Like five is not really that much different than four. Yeah, basically you just kick them over and and the series is done. But with six, there's definitely uncertainty, especially because you're in that game six. You're someone could tie it up and give it to a game seven. And so it's, it's a lot closer of a series. If it gets yeah, to... I, and I would be comfortable with the abs in a game six or, or a game seven against St. Louis. I mean, that that's not what I'm saying. I, I, I'm saying the, the way this series looks that it, it looks like the abs can pretty much, you know, come out of the gate hot and win their games at home, split with St. Louis on the road. And then, you know, look, look to close it out at home in game five and and you know that that would be a, a fairly likely outcome yeah it's it's not unlikely uh, just the, the main difference between a, a five game and a six game series like how it feels is kind of how you get to game six because usually you get to game six by the same team winning game four and five right um or, or winning game five and six if you if you come out of game four tied two to two and the same team wins games five and six that feels a lot different than if it was 3-1, and yeah. then the, the team forces a game six, and then you just go win it there anyway. Like That, that feels yeah, a what, lot what different. You, what you don't want to see is, is is the situation I described, if the Avs are up 3-1, and, and, and you know that they have a clinch game, and they And then you it. can't close it out. Right, and that's but when you start worrying, because you know it's like obviously the other team's got their backs against the wall, and they're going to be desperate, but it's just that's, you know... Closing out the opponent is the most difficult part of winning a series, obviously. So it's just that's 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 a game where you can't lose your focus. You can't just be like, "Oh shit!" You know, we got a couple of games. We can just you know, <clears throat> if we lose this one for nothing, it's okay. Um, no, nah, it's not okay. It's like you you know you got to play your hardest game when you have a chance to close it out. Don't give them a chance to be in it. And I think. And I know that you've even mentioned this before, Earl, is that starting at home can kind of be tough sometimes. Because if yeah. they lose one of those two home games, you are you almost feel like it's going to go six. Because then to go and expect to sweep the Blues at their home is probably unlikely. So if you split at home, you split on the road, then you're looking at a 2-2 series, which is guaranteed to go six anyway. Yeah. Is, is probably a lot how you're going to arrive at that. So definitely the Avs taking care of business at home becomes, like, the pressure's on them. So sometimes it's it's nice not to start with that pressure, but um, but we'll see. Not like we have a choice here. <laughs> right, and it's like, if you, if you look back two years ago at the Avs going into Calgary, it's like, yeah, they lost the first game, and then the second game they took it, and you're like, okay, um that's you know they've got the home ice now and right and they, then you go back they, home and play too and then you, you pretty much put it away at that point right um this so is it's like that the first when you're the higher seed that's what you don't want to see this is the first time the abs have had home ice to start the playoffs since 2014 against minnesota and how'd so, that work out 
<laughs> well, we don't need to we don't need to rehash that, but <laughs> they my, didn't belong my thought process. There. This is the first time they've earned home ice in the oh, current definitely. Avalanche era. Definitely. Right. My my thought process is the Avs had a technically home ice last year in the first round against Arizona to start things off. It was a bubble format as we all remember, but this era of this Avalanche team, this is the first time that they actually have them. And yeah. it's palpable in their own home arena. So this is going to be really interesting to see how they approach it this year, where their opponent, and I'm going to throw up a little bit in my mouth when I say this, is not the Arizona Coyotes, where they, <laughs> the expectation was, okay, we're just going to roll right through them. They did. And it's, it's different. This is different. It's not a bubble format. It's more playoff format. And it's not the Arizona Coyotes. So there's more of a mental gamesmanship, I think, in this case, in some ways, since it's more of a playoff format that players are used to. But this is really their first true home ice they have had in a long time. And how a lot of these guys that weren't on this roster in 2014 handle this now in 2021, I think is going to really be interesting to see how it plays out. Well, yeah, I it's think nice that's... that they haven't lost at home in, what, like two months or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and they have been really good at home. So it, it would be pretty disappointing to see them not win game one or two. Um, but I think Vlad brings up a good point. I've kind of been on the record saying I don't think it's that big of a deal. Like home ice really only really matters if you get it to a game seven. And for this series, at least, where something would have to go wrong for them to be in a game seven. And now if we're talking about the Vegas series... You could maybe expect a long series there. But anyway, the the point about they made it an emphasis that the players really, Bednar said this several times, that the players, um, they mentioned it in their exit meetings. It was something they felt was important. So maybe that just knowing that you have that in, little bit of advantage in your back pocket does give them some sort of momentum or confidence knowing that, like you said, that they've earned this, the spot in the league that they've earned the slight advantage. So maybe it gives them a little bit more of a boost because the playoffs are a random chaotic nightmare. Anything that helps the vibes, I think is helpful. It's just sure. A any, of games. any advantage is an advantage. Yeah. You never, you never know what, what's the one thing that's going to be to push you over. So, and, and sure. what, which team in the national hockey league had the best record at home? It's the team that had the best record overall. Also, the Pittsburgh Penguins tied the Avalanche, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, one thing that may help Colorado in this series is that they are getting a whole lot of, uh, of bodies back on the ice in their in their starting roster. Uh, Bednar was talking with reporters today, uh, today is Saturday, about getting back Nathan McKinnon, Brandon Saad, um, talking about Bowen Byram skating and maybe not being completely ruled out. Like, there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on here that is encouraging. Yeah, I, I want to hear exactly what he says about each one of these players, but the fact that they were all there for practice, and from my understanding, this was probably the closest thing they've had to an actual practice with the full team. They probably did more actual sp- position and game specific drills they haven't been able to do in a long time. And that all of those guys that Steph just mentioned – we're on the ice in full contact sweaters. Even Byron was in a full contact sweater. Is certainly great news, especially since he 
He made Sod sound pretty iffy a couple days ago. Um, we talked earlier about Timmons leaving the game. McKinnon, I I didn't think there was really any way that he was going to miss, but when they start saying, oh, no, it wasn't the same injury, it's a new one, almost like mm-hmm. that's supposed to make people feel better. I was like, yeah, it's no. better. <laughs> Like, oh, no, no, it wasn't the same thing that was bothering him. But this is something different. Like, oh, wow, that, <laughs> that's yeah, supposed to make everyone feel better. <laughs> I mean, I, anyone that watched the Vegas game knew Nate was just <laughs> not yeah. good. So, um, so that, that's our dose of optimism that all those guys were on the ice. They didn't seem like they were limited. I want to hear what Bednar says exactly about all of them, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it did I, sound I, very positive, so that's that's lovely. I, I think far more fascinating than what the Blues may or may not do. It's what does our lineup look like at ten thirty at night on Monday? <laughs> um, <laughs> just say midnight. You know, it'll be midnight somewhere. So it oh basically is midnight hockey. Midnight in Newfoundland, I'm sure, but. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, let, let's get Mark Moser saying Newfoundland over and over again. That sounds good. And Sammy like, G. That's yeah, a really good like that. theme. Midnight in Newfoundland is the is the theme of this. Um, I, that I would have been a better playoff one. <laughs> yeah, Midnight in Newfoundland would be an awesome. Like, it's just a cool title, like a podcast yeah. title, even. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh, when New Hope becomes like a becomes like a real mainstay, we might <laughs> someone might need to look into that. That's a, that's a good one. Oh, yeah, uh, I'm not sure if for DNVR does. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it, more fascinating than anything the Blues might do is 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 what are the Avs going to do? Because I think they are the ones that should dictate pretty much everything in this series. I mean, if the Blues aren't really reacting to most things. Um, if, if the Blues are dictating play, if the if the Blues are um, controlling the game, then you know that's not gonna that's not gonna work out that well. That that's the kind of nightmare game that that you know we're talking about when we say we just don't want to watch this. Uh, you know, if if the Avs are out there with all the good players that we we've missed so much lately. Um, dictating play and breaking through their trap and not giving them a chance to, to play their fake tough bullshit. Um, it's, it's going to be a pretty quick series. Well, yeah. When... One other thing that I think is absolutely fascinating about the Avs injured players coming back is that Bednar told us about it. Excuse yeah. me. <laughs> well, they were at the arena and the, the reporters are allowed to, See practice at the arena. So sure, but three weeks ago against a San a San Jose Sharks team that's almost eliminated from the playoffs on a Tuesday, Ben was just like, oh, "I'm just never telling you all the lineup ever again." Yeah, well, well you, can't go to practice, it's a, you don't see who's on the a, ice. So. It's a competitive advantage. We have to keep our competitive advantage. So I'm just not going to tell you all the roster. And now here comes the playoffs when it's actually appropriate to do roster gamesmanship. And Bednar is just like, oh, yeah, we're going to have this guy back and that guy back and maybe even that one. Who knows? Everybody's in. <laughs> it's like, it's like, okay, now put up your mask. Okay, whatever. Well, what yeah, we'll see, been out there today? <laughs> we'll see what he says about Monday, what he says on Monday about who's playing. I think, okay, it sounds like so- if Sod's available, then then things get real interesting because 
then it for the forwards you're down to it's going to be between Newhook and Soderberg, which I think might be an interesting decision that Bednar might not if Carl's reveal healthy publicly. And I've wondered about that too because they they've been saying oh it's just maintenance and and they played five minutes in that Vegas game like nobody. <laughs> You're not going to play anyone other than, like, you know, AHL prospects five minutes. So something was going on. Um, and then he didn't play either of the L.A. games. So I th- I think something is going on there, which Benner did say he had some lower back issues. But, um, you know, are they willing to sit him? I, I think he's – I think they were – they've been happy with Newhook, but he wasn't playing a lot. But I think it was those two assists in the Vegas game that yeah. things like that mean a lot to Bednar because that's the game that mattered and, and he did something positive, you know, to help them win. And so he's, he's definitely a lot less keen to take him out of the lineup after that. So, um, you know, would they be willing to do that? Would you would you see Carl sitting in, and Newhook playing on Monday? Yeah, I know I mean, what I we, we would do, but is that what's going to happen? Yeah, I think if you look at the lineup, I think you want to have the, the three-headed monster. And I, I think that there, there's a, a really good case to be made to put back sort of the Joe Snachushkin, probably Donnie, but but sort of Sod was Donnie before Donnie was on that line. <laughs> so it's like, you know, one of those guys. Um, but, but what do you do with the rest? And it's like, do you put the band back together the sort of Kadri, Berkey, Sod line, and, and like there were issues well, with that the last Berkey time they were all healthy. Yeah, like what's, Berkey's just kind of been going on his own. So he's you know, just maybe been to, going. He's yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> he, he got really victimized on that breakaway goal, and otherwise was has been awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was. I might even say their best player this whole week, but um, I would agree. Yeah. So, they, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Right, but all right, there was they had a little bit of success with Newhook with Kadri and Berkey. Um, and it's like, do you go that direction or do you put Kadri back in the middle with Berkey and, and either Sod or, or Donskoy and then put Newhook with um, Belmer and Comfort, which, you know, sounds but, like, oh, gee, fourth yeah. line, but it's like those guys combined for two goals a game this week. So. Um, that's right. not without right. its Comfort, offensive power. Comfort at least has a little life right now, so maybe. And then Belmere did score two goals, so yeah, right. It's not like that's the tragedy line. Um, I'd right. say with so, Saad, Bednar is not going to put him right on the second line just because he hasn't been playing. Plus, he was on the third line when he got injured, so I think. And plus, it just didn't work when the, the last time they were all healthy. It's like yes. they had to break it up. So. So if you use Bednar logic, then Saad's probably not going to be on that second line. So then it'd be Nas and Berkey and maybe even Donskoy. Then put Saad on the Jost line 2.0, I think is what they might do. It's so hard to figure where Donskoy belongs in this lineup because, like, he, he goes through such stretches of just every puck he touches goes in the net like it's really hard to tell like when that stretch is gonna end <laughs> well or it begin. Probably, 
Or because he has such a wide differential between <laughs> his lows and highs, and it's it's a very quick tempo up and down. It's not like Comfort where he doesn't score for months and then finally comes up with a hat trick. Yeah, you want to talk about who they should uh, bench? It's JT Comfort who just had his good week for the quarter. <laughs> exactly. You know. I mean, I get why they wouldn't do it right now. Yeah. You know, you, Carl hasn't done a whole lot, so there's there's not a great argument. No. There, but um, yeah, Donnie was a little slow after coming back from COVID, but they certainly hot at the right time. Like, this is exactly what the Avs need: that they have Jost, Comfer, Burskovsky, and Donnie all rolling right now. Is is like exactly what they need. So, so really playing those guys in any sort of combination is. Is good news. And that can really right, help pick up the slack for a Nathan McKinnon who's not 100%. Yeah, which, we'll see how he looks on Monday. <laughs> which, so can the play of a Miko Rantanen who is just of... Uh, 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 we accept how important this player is, but uh, and from the national eye, Miko Rantanen is ridiculously underrated. He is. Because yeah. like, people Every still think the Avalanche are all McKinnon. Even mention him. No. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it's like they, you see all these previews, and it's like Miko and Sam aren't even mentioned, and you're just like, "This is, <laughs> this is like a very huge part of the core of the team." <laughs> it's like how these guys go is is sort of the barometer. I'd yeah. even argue I think Miko's been the, better than McKinnon this whole year. Yeah, I mean, he's he's sort of come into his own as a goal scorer, which is, you know, that that's something we all hope for. Um, but then this week he doesn't score a goal and gets five assists, so that's kind of weird too. But hey, he hit thirty. He hit thirty in a fifty-six game season. Yeah, I haven't even done what what pace that is in a real season. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Miko absolutely... finishes his season fifth in points, and uh, yeah. where is he in goals? Also fifth. Yeah, that's yeah. incredible. Shout out to Alex Debrinkit, who's up there in the top five in goals. I did not realize. I think he had a down year last year. He, I think he had 40 the year before, but he had a down year last year. So, But yeah, good for him. Absolutely. But yeah, yeah otherwise, the, the points race is number one, Connor McDavid. Number two, Leon Dreisaitl. Number three, everybody else. Yeah. There's just a Pretty very crazy, clear tearing there. Points. Very crazy what's going on with Edmonton. Um, but as we look at um, kind of like the whole avalanche season, like if, if you're talking about who's better, McKinnon or Anton, I don't think you'd have to. I think you can just say they're they're both awesome and both. Well, we don't have to choose. Yeah, <laughs> and both deserve season long stars of the. Well, I was going to say week, but that doesn't make any sense. Season long stars of the week. Yeah, who who is your full stars of the week? Stars of the, of the week. <laughs> stars of the week of the season. Um, I, I don't think it's, I don't think we're going to have any surprises when we talk about our stars of the week of the season. <laughs> well, yeah, well, there's the easy ones, you know, obviously to we mentioned McKinnon, Miko, um, McCarr was a point of game defenseman. <laughs> yeah. McCarr, the only point of game defenseman in the league. Um, you know, Sam always deserves a star because he is one. 
Grubauer. That's pretty amazing. I mean, even though he only played 44 games or whatever it was, I mean, seriously, a point a game as a defenseman, that's, I mean, like, you could see him doing that in an 82-game season easily. That so, That's like his equilibrium. Like, that's just Makar. It, it feels right. like when he has, like, a career year, then it, it'll be he'll have some crazy number that's more than a point a game and then probably when they'll have to give him the Norris, but point a game doesn't even feel like he's, he's on like a hot streak or anything. That's just like, well, that's Kale McCarr. <laughs> <laughs> like he hasn't even had the hot streak. Yeah. If, if he goes two games without getting a point, you're just kind of like, Hmm, what's up with Kale? Well, you pretty yeah. much know he's getting three the next game then. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Yeah. He couldn't even get one in the six to nothing win over LA. It was like, Oh, Come on. But yeah, I, I, I think the fourth name, like like Vlad tried to say and, and got talked over, is pretty clearly uh, Philip Grubauer, too. Like, he's just rock-ass solid. And the the only goaltender who had as many shutouts as Gruby did is hilarious Semyon Varlamov. <laughs> yeah, that is funny. Um, I, I really want to give a star to Burkowski. Like, you know, he's he's really had to win me over. Um, and it, it's taken a while, but I've just really, really appreciated his game this year. And um, I think he deserves a star. Like, what was it, 44 points, and he just missed 20 goals, but he's been so consistent. And then just the way he played this week, like him being strong on the puck, like how he's been, and he doesn't, he's doing it himself too. Like, he doesn't, it's not about who his line mates are. And it just, to have, to be able to nurture him into that kind of secondary score is pretty incredible, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think when we saw Newhook's first few games and, and I talked about how Barkovsky was playing about 90% of the minutes with him, and that's... You, know, you wouldn't think that would be the case if you're, we were talking about this about a year and a half ago. Right, he could be uh, anybody's minder. You'd be like, no. <laughs> yeah. No and, chance. And, and, I do... and Earl's gone. Um, but they, they, they do complement each other really well. Um, and I, I think that's pretty cool. But Andre Burakovsky's final line was 19 goals, 25 assists. Wish he could have gotten the 20th goal, but what are you going to do? Um, for, yeah, 44 points. And he did shoot 18%, which is not low. He was pretty high last year, so maybe, maybe that's his. I mean, his he, kind of thing. He is a pure goal scorer, so that he may just be a high shooting percentage guy. I haven't looked at his career number, and I'm not going to for a podcast because boring. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, he's he scored 19 goals, and 18 of them were tens. I think he had one yeah. one ugly goal, and everything else was just like, oh, okay, his, Vera. His, he just has such a nice shot. It's just. Just yeah, like you said, beautiful goals. It just what a pure shot he has, when, and especially when now he's able to get a little bit more into space where he can use it like that is. So I've appreciated him, and he's he's never definitely did not start out as like one of my favorites, or you could say, or uh, it's a big Burakovsky fan, but I think he really deserves it. He's he's turned himself into like a really really valuable player. Yeah, we'll we'll talk more about about Burakovsky's arc in like a full postseason postmortem. Um, but what I think Earl was about to get at before he disappeared, probably to restart his router, 
um, was <laughs> this, that, that Burakovsky's game has really matured this season in a way that's allowed him to just be more consistent and really raise the floor, and that's helped him a lot. Yeah, that's, he can carry that's a what line. I said when I went away. Yeah, that he can carry a line. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Earl, welcome back. Uh, you missed nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I know. We, we I are still talking about Andre Burakovsky. Burakovsky train and. But Sam needs a star too because he's been incredible this year, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a, a point a game defenseman's pretty awesome, but three quarters of a point is pretty good too. For the guy that nobody talks about. <laughs> right, for the guy who you're all just sitting there going, well, maybe the offense is just never going to come around for Sam Gerrard. Well, he had 27 assists, so. Yeah. I would be willing to give an honorable mention to Devon Taves for coming in through that trade with uh, the Islanders. And I was really curious because there was a lot of talk about him when that trade happened. So, And I know nothing yeah. about knew nothing about him at that point. So I was really interested to see, well, who is this guy? And how is he going to fit into this lineup? And it was damn near perfect. I was very impressed with how seamlessly he integrated into the defensive core. And he completely won me over. So he was yeah, like, very steady. Yeah, he had some weird, you know, own goal deflections. But <laughs> Yeah, who didn't? He, he got a little worn yeah. down, but... Um... That wasn't a deflection. He shot it right in the net. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know it's been this trend almost call like everything an own goal, but yeah, that that one was that was a real own goal. Was an own goal. <laughs> but no, I mean, when they first traded for him, it was just kind of like, okay, why did they give up two seconds? But the, but then it was like, okay, I, I get that that um he was highly thought of and all that, and I I knew he'd be decent, right? Like unless something just totally weird happened, I I knew he'd be good for the team. But yeah, he's he's been in great like. He does a lot of the things that like Sam and Kale do, but not necessarily. He's a little bit different, and so it, it, he's a good complement to them. Yeah, nine goals for a defenseman. That's, yeah, he's he's been good. That's a lot in, in that an eighty-two sneak. game season, and you know, in fifty-three games, that's that's really good. Yeah, he's been pretty good at sneaking up into the slot. He he's not quite like the backdoor artist, like. <laughs> You know, some other defensemen have gotten lucky on Cough Graves, but um, he's, he's no Nick Holden, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's uh, he, he's been reading the play well in that sneaking up into the slot kind of move, and that has been paying off for him. Yeah, so, when you see a guy with a lot of goals as, as a defenseman, it, it's generally like kind of a Zadorov situation where he only scores goals and never has any assists, and it's like. Taves has a lot of assists, so you know he's he's sort of a a very complete offensive player, um, which is how the Islanders used him. But it they never seemed to trust him defensively, and that was one thing that that Jared Bednar and the staff right away, um, you know, gave him a lot of defensive responsibility. And I I think he's kind of over, overrated there, and I think the Av system helps him out a lot just. Um, for the fact that they have the puck all the time and, and they don't spend a lot of time in the zone, but um... well, he's helped because he's usually playing with Makar or Sam, right? So like that that's helped a lot of defensemen over yeah. the last couple of years. But he has a he's a high enough ability to begin with that it just helps him just that much even more. Right, and it just I I think if 
if sort of the Islanders had seen this kind of defensive play from him, I, I don't think, I, I think they would have made other plans. You know, I, I don't think they would have made him their cap casual. Uh, I don't know. They didn't seem to be pretty happy with the results that they've had with their own team. Yeah, definitely. I just, I, he's, he, or, all right, let's just say then he would have been a little bit more valuable than two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's a little bit hard to talk about scratches a week for the season for the team that won the division and had more points than anybody in any other division. Um, so maybe let's word this as who needs to step up their game for the Avs to make it to the cup. I mean, I think before this week, all of us would have said JT Comfer and yeah. there, <laughs> there he went with four goals. Well, yeah, um, you, you hope that, that that wasn't it, that that wasn't the, the good week that he had a week before he needed to have it. Right. Yeah, um, that's. I, I don't think you can, I mean, you can look at anybody who has struggled and say, well, they were good this week and then wipe it off the board so let's right we'll, we'll just, take your recency it, but, bias but we had no evidence in. that this was we had no evidence that this was even possible before monday so yeah you know because um, he's a player who just has a really good week every once in a while and it is a very random every once in a while and it doesn't happen very often yes. but he hadn't had that really good week at all this season no no <laughs> there was maybe one i think there was one god i can't remember who they were playing at that point but i think he had a glimmer but it wasn't as good as obviously a hat trick but that that's not been about it for comfort this year it was maybe a glimmer and then finally he deserved an 877 and then after that <laughs> well we, not much. we talked a lot about um you know where folks are going to slot into the lineup when the playoffs start and I, I just I just think it's funny how um, JT Comfer suddenly looks revitalized when he has <laughs> Alex Newhook on his line. So keep them together. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. If, if hey, if that helps him, then yeah, that makes the team better. I thought you were almost going to say how he finally had a good week when there might have to be a decision to be had. <laughs> well, there's that. There's that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I, and I agree with you saying that it, it's hard to pick on somebody on a team that just won the president's trophy. However, Donson Padre has to have a good playoffs. He just has to. So bad stat alert, uh, on, on a team with, is either the best or among the best, um, in goal differential in the league. Nazem Kadri is a minus seven. He's the only regular who's yeah. minus. Yeah. <laughs> And, that's, and it was an I mean, earned. It was an earned seven as well. well. It's it's generally you see guys with high pluses or guys that are out there late in games and get a lot of empty net goals, and and that's that's kind of how you build your your plus minus up. And guys with minuses like Barry was always a minus because he was always out there late when they were behind, kind of thing. Well, um, yeah, it's easier for defensemen to get minus. Right, and but but Nas, it's like again, you know, it's like all right, Sod is like a plus one, and that's that's. That's like bad for the team. Um, so you kind of look at that and you're like, how is he making his line mates worse? <laughs> 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 and it's just, that's generally the effect that it, that he's had on, on his line mates. And it, it sucks because like, 
he had, I don't know, he had five game winning goals last year in the playoffs or something like that. I mean, it, you know, that's like close to Joe Sackick territory. And he was so good. And then he comes back and it just, it's tough to find a, a good role for him. He doesn't seem to have a positive impact on the ice or on his line mates or, or the defensemen that are on the ice with him. And it's just, it's really tough to pin down why, because it's been sort of a, a season long malaise. And the other thing is like comfort. If he's, if he starts sucking again, he's on the fourth line. Right. So right. Without question. You can just hang out with Belmare and it's not going to be that big of a deal. Like Kadri is your second line center. You can't, just have that guy no show in the playoffs because you you won't be in the playoffs long if your second line center just can't do anything and and maybe Jost has been so good that Jost is now really the second line center which it has been pretty semantics between the two and hey if Jost can actually play that well and take that role from here to the end then great but you can't have a hole at your second line center and I mean, go very I, far in the playoffs. I, I think Jost's magic is is a lot of Nachushkin and, and either Donskoy or Saad too, because it's just that that chemistry worked, and it it works against other teams' top six lines, and they generate a lot of chances on their own. I, I think that's a, definitely a case where sort of the, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Um, whereas when you put Nas on a line, the whole is less than the sum of its parts. Like if he doesn't really seriously get it together, I wonder if they're they would look to replace him this off season. Like they would need the money that they're paying him next year to upgrade to that position. That like they would have to do something. I mean, they could stand pat too. I mean, if 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 Jost's line works that same way, I mean, you can use that as a second line. I mean, I know like Tyson Jost, you don't think of as a second line center, but it's like that line can play that role. Well, hey, if it works and it and they don't suffer for it, then great. It's just, um, you. My point is, you really can't hide Kadri. Like, uh, no. If if he's not, if he's not playing well, and he's like, okay, they've made it through to this point. Like they did okay, but Kadri's gonna have to do something in these playoffs. Like he's gonna have to score. Like you said, he scored game-winning goals before. He's gonna have to pull out some big moments like he can't even just be competent at this point like he needs to do something and he's not even at necessarily competent level so the time really is now for that guy he's got to find it and find it quick yeah and it's just as long as there's 0.01 seconds on the clock he'll be able to do whatever (laughs) he needs to do that's what's funny like like uh, nathan mckinnon has 20 goals nazem kadri has 11 Nathan McKinnon has two game-winning goals. Nazem Kadri has three. Excuse me? How's that work? <laughs> He's uh, clutch. <laughs> clutch Kadri? We do not have time on the show to debate whether clutch exists. <laughs> and it does, but hey, if he pulls it out, that's great. That. That's all I'm saying, but there, there's going to be no excuses for Kadri, though. Yeah, I mean, but it's like, all right, he generates a lot of shots, and he's, you know, that's one thing he still has done this year, despite not scoring that much. It's just obviously he's he's had a bad shooting percentage all year long. Um, and it, it when it's a, a whole year thing like that, you just kind of wonder, 
is this a bad system fit or something about well i think we're talking about more than just bad luck because i know what you're saying it he at least is getting chances he at least is shooting the puck he's at least he at least has the puck he's missing the but it it's more than that. It's more than just like, oh, gee, I wish we wish Kadri had scored more. It's the stuff that Bednar had been talking about. He has been fairly honest about Kadri saying, you know, it's the compete level. It's the battle. It, when he gets mad at guys that won't check, like Kadri's usually one of the worst defenders when it's like you, you have to get in there and battle and check. Like he got so mad when Kadri took that penalty and we, we all thought, yeah, it was pretty cheap, but it was like he wasn't even going in the right direction for the four check like stuff like that just drives bednar crazy like that's that's the stuff that's gonna get him off this team if he doesn't get it together like he he is gonna have to play hard and compete and and the blues are gonna come at him physically and that's the kind of stuff that like that cadre was known for when we got him is a guy that plays with a little bit of an edge and little bit of chippiness but you have to be you know quote unquote hard to play against if you're going to be that guy too like you can't just disappear when another team four checks you and you need to back it up right. offense offensively too because if you're not then you you're just a scrappy forward liner like you have to back that that chippiness up with some actual hockey right like the big boy hockey you gotta you gotta play hard and if we don't see that out of him, I honestly, I'm not sure he's going to be back. So, yeah, well, um, yeah I, I mean, there'll I, be time to talk Jared about his future the time for sure. I, I think if you're Jared Bednar, you would want in a, in a perfect world, you would want to be able to put Nas out against Ryan O'Reilly in this series coming up. And it's just, I don't, you know, I, I wouldn't be comfortable doing that right now. Mm-mm. So, is there? Um, Anyone else that we want to add to this list other than our low hangers who probably don't belong on the NHL roster anyway? <laughs> yeah, probably Graves. He overall. He's I knew someone was going to yeah, say Graves. <laughs> oh, if we're talking about overall in the season. Like, am I necessarily going to pick on him for like this week? No, but we're not talking about this week. We're talking about the season overall. Somebody that you had hoped a little bit more from. I think Graves is that guy. I mean, I, think I would for... also say that Nachushkin's also that guy too. I mean, we've seen how well he pairs with shows. Great on. The I think he's play. been pretty good. I think maybe he had a slow start. I think Nuke's been pretty good for like two thirds of the season. Yeah, he's a master to I... nominee. Well, and also, <laughs> it, as it turns out, it, it he had COVID and that, you know, that. I think he had a surgery. Is what it was. Yeah, it's surgery, and then he had COVID, didn't he? Uh, I think at the was... beginning of the year, I don't remember if he was one. I don't remember. He this. was not somebody that's been on the list for us. I mean, maybe just no, the assumption not... is all the Russians got COVID in Russia at some point. Yeah, <laughs> in the fall. But uh, I think it was well, surgery, anyway, a... which was like you never reported that he had yeah. surgery. So <laughs> <laughs> that was that was kind of his slow start. But you know, again, when he and Jost and, and either Donnie or Saw got put together. That was that that just really let them all take off. Um, I know he had over ten goals this year. How? Who did? Uh, Nuke. I he, think had he had over ten. He had exactly he had ten. ten goals. Oh, okay, which is 
I think in a shortened season, that's pretty good that he got to 10. I mean, he shot 10%, which strikes me as high for Nichushkin, considering he has very, very stone hands around the crease. He had the one and only only one that scored a shorthanded goal all season. (laughs) (laughs) Stereo. Boy, if we can get a shorthanded goal in this series. Yeah, that would be lovely. So yeah, it might be a good time for another shorty. Yeah, let's 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 get some shorties. Um, before we start talking about you know sweep likelihood, let's go through the rest of the league. Let's talk about all the series that we don't know enough about. Make some bold predictions so we can be nice and wrong. All that fun stuff. Or, or I don't know. <laughs> I I don't want to say too much on y'all's behalf. A series that I don't know enough about to predict is probably truer. Um, out east, the number one seed goes to the Pittsburgh Penguins. And they draw a friend of the show, Simeon Varlamov, and the New York Islanders. This is the series I want to watch the least. (laughs) (laughs) I just, the Islanders, uh, there's only three players on that team that I ever want to watch. It's Farley, Barzal, and Bavillier. Other than that, I have no time for anybody on that team. And Pittsburgh, I've been tired of Pittsburgh for the last five years. Like, I've seen Crosby and Malkin. I know what they look like. That's great. I do not need to see the Pittsburgh Penguins anymore. Yeah. So, the faster that series is over, the better. I think, uh... Um, yeah, that's... Pittsburgh's been rolling, so... I think they finally got it figured out for now anyway i, I think they're gonna win that series i don't know if you look at home records that, the, the islanders are a real outlier in that they have an extremely strong home record so this this thing may stretch out a little bit probably just to annoy me they, they just they kind of stink on the road but they have an extremely strong home record and they haven't played it it's kind of like two teams going opposite directions the islanders haven't been playing well and the penguins have been Last year, I think that, that whole division beat Pitt, Pittsburgh, and I'm not going to make that mistake again. <laughs> so, uh, oh no, I, I picked Pittsburgh to beat Montreal. Excuse me, I'm not going to make that mistake this year. I'm going with uh, I'm going with the Islanders. I, I really want to see Barley at least advance a little bit. Yeah, so, me too. So, y'all think there's some upset right. potential here? Not I definitely me. do. <laughs> I, I know the Islanders haven't been playing well lately, but I, I just I, I go with my heart on these just because I, that whole division is just so old and bad to watch and yuck. Well, let's let's talk um, about more know... old in that division. Um, the East yeah. two seed goes to the Washington Capitals, and they get to take Zdeno Chara home to open their playoffs against the Boston Bruins. <laughs> this season guess... starts tonight, of Saturday the fifteenth. The others are Sunday or later. I guess those two teams haven't met in the playoffs in a while, which, you know, like I said earlier, I like playoff novelty. So I guess it's interesting from that perspective. Well, no, the, the Bruins have to keep playing Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and obviously they're in different divisions. So that, that tends to keep, keep them away from each other in normal years. But, um, yeah, Washington always plays Pittsburgh, and they're black and yellow. And this is another black and yellow team, so it's it's pretty familiar. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I picked Washington. It wouldn't shock me if Boston won this. I 
Boston's a weird team to peg. Like, I do like a lot of their players, and at times I like them, but at times they underachieve. I don't know. It, it wouldn't surprise me either way, but if you're asking me how I picked in my pool, I'd say Washington. I think if Washington gets past this, like, I could see it go seven. If they get past this, I could see them maybe even go a bit far. It's not that I necessarily, like, really like them. It's just... I don't know. They just have a vibe of an experienced team that's going to win a few rounds. Like they're probably not going to win the cup, but you probably still be hearing about them for a while. Well, it's weird that both the higher seeds in this division have very young goalies or very inexperienced goalies, and both of the lower seeds have experienced goalies. Um, and I, I, I think, I, I think that could be sort of the downfall of, of both Washington and Pittsburgh and, and not that their goalies haven't played well, obviously. Um, but you just, you wonder about that being playoff ready, playoff tested, um, how that's going to play out. That's why I, I picked the lower seed in both. Of... So I, I just didn't want to think about it too much. I like Washington in the series. <laughs> um, like I said, I know nothing about the East or the central division for that matter. Um, so I like Washington for this series for completely bullshit vibes-related reasons. Um, everyone is against the Capitals because of Tom Wilson. So yeah. they can rally around that and and really get that us-against-the-world vibe going. And Yeah, Boston's defense could be a bit of a weak link. Yeah, so... They're also injury-prone. So Capitals can ride that. <laughs> Not a whole lot... I picked Boston in some reason for... And seven for some reason. Sure, why not? I mean, the, the number of games is basically random. Yeah. In the Central, what surprised me. one of the least interesting series to me personally, it's the number one seed Carolina Hurricanes against the Nashville Predators. Sweet. So that, that one should be a thumping, which, you know, every, every time you think that, it's not. But, God, I just can't. I can't see. <laughs> I just cannot see that one being competitive no i i, I said in six and uh carolina in six because i want matt to change to suffer <laughs> that would be fun i don't know if that makes me a horrible human being not but... touching that <laughs> there we go also yeah, I mean, in I, the I... central one of the most interesting series to me uh, the Florida Panthers in the two seed taking on a Tampa Bay Lightning squad that just golly, would you believe the luck? They just got Nikita Kucherov back. <laughs> I'm gonna smash my head through the window. Right? Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Like nobody wants to see them win this year at all, right? Um, no. Like they were due for one last year, and they and they were a good team to win in the bubble, but. Uh, they're they're just not that interesting of a team. Like they have good players, but when you watch them, it's not interesting. Nope. You, there's a lot of grinding, and then now you're like, "Hey, that skilled player made a nice play," and then you go back to like 15 more minutes of grinding. Yeah, they're they're sort of an old and bad team that gets disguised by a couple of new good players. Um, I. I what little I've seen of Florida, I couldn't believe, first of all. And second of all, I was pretty impressed with. I mean, I think one of the hardest things to do as a coach in the NHL is to actually improve your team's offensive capabilities. And that that's something that 
only a small handful of guys can do, and, and Quenville is definitely one of them. Because um, they're just, they're very dangerous. And I call this the shot share division because basically all the teams here are like 60% of the top three. Yeah, not Nashville. <clears throat> not Nashville, but <laughs> although they are kind of a shot share team, any even though they're not a very good team. Their division um, is sort of like ours, where the top three were kind of pretty obvious yeah, for a while. And, pretty much. And I like that Tampa didn't get the number one seed. I like that they're going to have to beat a good team. And if anyone of these teams is really having like a miracle, none of them really miracle year. I think Florida's better than that. It's not like they just rode some hot goaltending. But they're probably the team out of all of these playoff teams that we're going to discuss took the biggest step so yeah they have the most to prove and and tampa bay has a lot to prove as the defending champs and yeah the the blatant cap circumventors and everything and so it's a good clash i'm glad that tampa if they're going to advance they're going to have to play probably two damn good teams in florida and carolina to even get out of their division so I like how that sets up, and I am also kind of I am interested in watching that because it's a matchup you don't get to see a lot. You don't get to see Florida in the playoffs, so it's different anyway. And they're also another like playing at midnight on CNBC, so we can commiserate with them. <laughs> I'm I'm really fascinated to see what the the new look Florida Panthers can do in in the postseason against the technically illegal Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs> very fascinating I mean, to see how I, that turns out they should have to sit out like 10 million dollars with the players you like, should, it doesn't matter who just pick some you should have to play a certain amount of regular season games to be on the playoff roster or to at least see, like not count against the cap <laughs> I could see some can of they this loan to on Calgary or Vancouver since they're still playing regular season <laughs> yeah that'd be funny too yeah earn your uh Earn your playoff eligibility. Get a conditioning stint to the North Division. <laughs> yeah. In, in, in the North, uh, these series are starting a, a lot later in the week, by the way. Uh, the one seed, don't, don't tell their fans this, but it goes to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And they, they finally get that playoff series they've been wanting with the Montreal Canadiens. This looks like a fun one. Uh, it sure does. Um. I'd pick the Habs because uh, why not? Um, I think I think Toronto's defense is bad enough that it's 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 it could kill them in the playoffs pretty easily, and it's not something that's going to show up in the regular season just because they can outscore their problems, and that just doesn't seem to be the case once the regular season ends. So um, we don't really know who their goalie's going to be. Um, it's just there. There's so many questions, but then you know it's like you have Matthews scoring three goals a game every night, and you know is that going to be enough? Yeah, any of these that isn't the East is is at least like an an interesting matchup to me because I don't get to see them a whole lot. The Canadian teams aren't on TV for me a whole lot, but um. I wish that I thought that Montreal had a better shot, but sorry, Earl, they they really don't, and you know it too in your heart. <laughs> oh yeah, no, he no, knows they, it. He I, knows it in his head. This... He knows it in his head. Yeah. It, the the heart's making and, the decision. And Ducharme is 
quickly becoming the second worst coach in the NHL for me behind Paul Maurice um, because he's just a, a total idiot. Um, today they had Kotkaniemi and Caulfield on the fifth line, so it doesn't look like he's planning on playing them for the series. So, Well, maybe they get smart. down and they realize they need some goals. It'll be too late. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think yeah. this goes I love to pointing this well. out is he's the guy that that only wanted to play Makar five minutes a game in World Juniors. Oof, he's a smart guy. But he's the guy that uh, won McKinnon won him Memorial Cup. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mooseheads are usually pretty stacked. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, I had no choice then, it, but it looks like I, a Leaf series to me too. But I do think it would be really interesting to see what happens. If the Leafs yeah. lose in the first round again, yeah, yeah, I, mean, I know the only team that can beat Toronto is Toronto. Yeah, I know everyone's <laughs> on the edge of their seat waiting for a Leafs hysteria, but it will come. All the people that are picking the Leafs in the Cup Finals is like, no, With Wayne Simmons is the Con Smythe winner. Oh yeah, yeah, that's that. That's <laughs> not in the win- same reality as the rest of us. They'll win this round, but I think it'll be immensely entertaining if they have to play Edmonton because. Oh, those they're games will be like ten to eight. So... Yeah, they're gonna act like they're so much better than Edmonton, but boy, if they lose to the Oilers, <laughs> that would be peak hysteria. Like it would be terrible if they couldn't win another round, and you'll get like a lot of grumbling and cynicism. But I, I think it would even be better if they lost to Edmonton. <laughs> I went for maximum hysteria. They're better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went for maximum hysteria in my bracket. I chose, I I really wanted to go with you, Earl, and go with Montreal on that because I think that would be absolute chaos on a provincial level. But oh, then yeah. I thought <laughs> I may as well see how mad Canada can get at itself. So I I went ahead and had Toronto winning that first series against Montreal, facing Edmonton in the second round, and then losing to the Islanders in that head-to-head matchup. <laughs> Oof. Oh, that would be so unwatchable, though. That would be Toronto d- Islanders. That would be oh. something else. Uh, we've, we're we're kind of spoiling how we feel about the other series in the North, which is the two seed Edmonton Connor McDavid's against the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, so I, I definitely spoiled my choice there. I I think Edmonton will win. Like I don't, I'm not writing off Winnipeg, but I don't know. I think Edmonton's playing well enough this year that they'll get through that one. I I figure if I pick a terrible coach and a terrible team to beat Toronto, then I may as well pick Paul Maurice and the Jets to beat Edmonton because (laughs) (laughs) it's the North Division. Everything's made up and nothing matters. Exactly. No, it's just, I mean, you watch Edmonton play and you're, you're just mesmerized by what McDavid can do. And it's just the rest of the time you're like, this team is just not that great. None of those teams are that great. I don't think even Toronto's yeah. that great, honestly. No, they're not. No, I think I think they're going to get... Wh- whoever comes out of that division is, is going to get a rude wake-up call. And, <laughs> you know, we talk about... I, I talk about how the West Division is probably the worst one out of the four. And that's only because the, the five other teams are so bad. But it's... The North Division are, are closer together, and they're all very faulted in in various ways and it's just it's a different kind of mediocrity 
in the West, ripe for upset, if history is precedent. The two-seed Vegas Golden Knights up against the Minnesota Wild. What do y'all think? Is the Wild's voodoo against Vegas for real? It would be super fun, but no. I'm not picking the Wild. I, I wish I had watched... No, I actually, I don't. But I wish I knew <laughs> more about why Minnesota had a winning record against Vegas during the regular season. Um, just I watched hey, that the... would be helpful for the abs to know. But... Um... <laughs> But, but just how a, a team that I kind of think, you know, Minnesota is a decent team. I just think that they're elevated a little bit more by playing against you know, the, the five other teams in our division, just as we in, in Vegas are. I um, w- did watch the one game between Minnesota and Vegas that was um, maybe around a month ago. It was, for some reason, Minnesota is able to score on them quickly. It's. It's Vegas they're, they're, looks they're, like Vegas, but they're very opportune that they're they're able to sort of support Vegas. So I don't know. You call that luck? If you just call that like they don't have an answer for Caprizov or whatever. I just there's something about Minnesota that can like spring on Vegas because I thought Vegas I mean, had their transition game going well against them. So it's not like some sort of stifling defense. It's just like Vegas can't necessarily hold down all of minnesota's chances yeah i mean minnesota develops very good chances they just don't develop a lot of them and they they don't develop the higher percentage of them generally they're they're a quality first quantity second team um but it's worked for them all season so in in general you wouldn't want to use that as your main strategy but it's worked for them so maybe it is sort of like they both agree, like you're not getting quantity against us, and Minnesota's like, fine, we'll just wait for the quality, and right there you have it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of people have made the sort of the comparison to the 2014 abs, and and, and that's, not you know, fair. it's sort of like that. But it, that, it's not <laughs> fair. I don't think, no, I don't think, they're not in a miracle run. They've always had good def- good defense and good team defense. They've always had oh, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying is they they go quality they they go quality first and they're not worried about shot share. Okay, so if that's but it's the not only comparison, not a defensive team. Yeah, yeah. I, if that's the only comparison, then sure. But that's where it stops because the 2021 Minnesota Wild are pretty good and just kind of lean more heavily on quality than you would generally expect a team is pretty good to do. And the 2014 Avs were Simeon Varlamov with help. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, and, that, that's the weird thing is that they're a good, they rely on quality, but it's not because they just can't play defense, because they can. And I think also this series is interesting because you you don't really have a, a, any superstars on either team. I mean, you know, um, Kaprizov might be one soon, and he's getting there, um, he's but good. he's not not quite there yet. Um, and and you know, Vegas is always. They, they they don't have like the real number one superstar guy like a Nathan McKinnon or, or Connor McDavid, but they have a lot of really good players. Yeah. Um, so it's it's it, it's not going to be a star driven series. It's it's two teams that that play really good team systems that they're comfortable with and, and are kind of you know quite different. Um, yeah, I'm so watching I'd this. Th- a lot of different goal scorers. <laughs> yeah, and, and 
this series is going to interest me for a couple reasons. One, uh, just to get an idea of whoever wins, you know, why they win and, and how that's going to play into hopefully playing the Avalanche in the second round. And also what Vegas does with their goalie. Um, you know, like we talked about earlier, they've been alternating Flurry and Lanner. Um, are they going to keep doing that? I mean, that'd be weird for the playoffs. Like, it's just, it's it, just it's really done. never worked out. Yeah, it's like I can think of like the first year the Islanders won the cup in their um, four in a row back in the early 80s. Um, they alternated Chico Rash and Billy Smith, and I don't think it's worked. So. Bruce Boudreaux tried it, and we saw how that went. <laughs> I'd have to see if one had more because I think Minnesota took the series like five to three or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd yeah. be curious to see who uh, who won the three games for Vegas if, if that um, that was anyone in particular or not. I'd have to look that up. I don't know. I we've seen Flurry so much. I've my answer would be I think Flurry's been better, but sure um, is against us, right? Yeah. It's just. Um, Think no, that, that was basically just because Leonard was hurt, and, or, he, and he was out. Yeah. But I think their intention has always been that they would prefer to ride Leonard. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just I. I don't. I'm like you. It's like I've seen Flurry the most, and he sure was pretty good. Um, right. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I really wonder. It's like. <sighs> You know, what are they going to do? Is is someone going to win the job or are they going to keep trying to alternate or, you know, th- that's just not a great situation, I don't think. Yeah, I just, I don't know enough about how they've been rolling lately that it's hard to say, but I agree that it, it's, uh, that will be a good storyline for that series is, uh, which, which one do they settle on? <clears throat> In the name of, you know, hubris and stuff, which team are you rooting for in that series with the eye toward playing Colorado in round two? Who would you rather face? Oh, I'd rather face Minnesota. Yeah. I definitely like Vegas more. Like, I, I get it would be like the Clash of the Titans, and, and that would be like a fun game to go to if I'm going to spend like 500 bucks to go to a game. It probably would be cool to see an Avs Vegas game. Vlad but... groans. <laughs> but if I want, if I want to win the cup, which obviously that's the whole point of why we're all here, yeah, I'd I'd rather play Minnesota. I mean, Vegas is a better team. So if Minnesota can keep that magic going, I would I would gladly welcome that. I I'd rather see. Vegas win, um, just because I think that's the matchup that the NHL deserves. Uh, yes, we deserve well, on paper. <laughs> no, nah, but I, I just think on paper that's you know these are two, you know, basically tied for the president's trophy. Um, but two of the the better teams are perhaps the best teams in the league, and it, it kind of sucks that they're going to end up meeting in the second round um, if they do, but. I, I do think that's a series that, that should happen to sort of, you know, get closure on, on who's the best team out of the two. That's exactly where I'm at on that. Colorado and Vegas would be an incredible seven-game series. We've been saying it all year long, and I would like to see it. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to win the cup more. Sure. But... It's not that I don't think the Avs can beat Vegas. I think they can, and 
and like uh, obviously it's it's a cup like it's never going to be easy but would i be sad to see probably their toughest opponent get knocked out by someone else no <laughs> often when it when a team wins the cup along the way they slay a dragon and minnesota is not the dragon for the avalanche uh, vegas isn't quite either but it's much closer that's a good yeah, question i'd have to think about that I mean, it's kind of like in the 90s when you basically knew that sometime in the playoffs, and it, it, it might be the conference finals, it, it, it might be sooner than that, but that Detroit and the Avs were going to meet, and that was basically going to be the determiner of the, the better shot at the Stanley Cup. Um, screw you, Dallas. Um, but that's, you know, that, that's kind of how I feel about this. This is This is sort of the abs versus the wings in the nineties kind of matchup that we want to see. Yeah. But you, but if you could change that and have won a few more cups, like you still would. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'd rather, you know, I'd rather just beat Dallas twice. Like they should have, you know, didn't the abs like win the season series against Vegas or it was at least tied. It was four, four, I guess if you count the loser points, four, three and one. Yeah. out over the other so i in a way beating st louis is kind of more like slaying the dragon it's not a this year dragon but over the last 10 years the way that the blues have played them the way that the abs have played in st louis that's a lot more of them slaying the dragon and and getting over something that had been a problem for them a lot more than yeah i mean Someone else. I think this that that actually plays very well into you know going into the second round. If you look at the last two years, it's like, I mean, Calgary was a walkover after the first game. Um, you know, Arizona wasn't all that competitive either. It's like they they had two five game series going into the second round, and then it just I, I don't know if they were adequately prepared. I mean, it, it's definitely going to be different. <clears throat> So oh, yeah, it'll be harder than those two for sure. I see yeah. what you're saying. Like at the end of the day, you you do want to be battle tested. If if you have to play some hard games, if you have to suffer some losses along the way and deal with it, well, and it just, overcome it, that, it forces the staff to have to evaluate and make decisions differently. You know, it's like when when everyone's playing so well, you're beating team seven to one every night. (laughs) Yeah, too. Keep going with the same guys. I mean, what's going wrong? Nothing. Yeah, the double Brazil didn't help anybody. (laughs) (laughs) No. So yeah, it was it was fun in the moment, but I was even like, oh, geez. (laughs) Yeah. And again, you know, with with Calgary, the the last four games of that series were just such a a blow off that, you know. I mean, I don't think that's why they they lost against San Jose, but I, I think they could have been better prepared if if they had had a more competitive series that year. And Calgary I, never I recovered. Think... No, no, they did not. <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of the crazy part. That, that's why they're still playing regular season games like now ish, <laughs> and through Wednesday, <laughs> which is so unless you're Sam Bennett, so weird. <laughs> yeah, unless you're Sam Bennett who got himself a new team and a new lease on life. Let's predict our own series. One seed Avs, four seed Shady Blues. I got the Avs in five. But I think it could be a sweep. 
abs in six. Get ready. It's going to be a tough two weeks. And them winning in six would have them winning on my birthday. Well, there you go. So ah. maybe, maybe that would be my gift. I go last. I five. also said abs in six uh, because the universe hates me and they want me to see at least as many games in St. Louis as possible. <laughs> so I'm hoping that Earl's sweep comes true, but. Also, Jackie's birthday gift would also be nice as well. So, I mean, I'm hey, I'd take no stress it. on my birthday, too, you know, <laughs> just partying. <laughs> yeah. No stress. So, here's what's Not up The Avalanche could sweep the series. Devin Dubnik beat the Blues twice, so they could sweep the series. Um, but I think the win in six is a lot more likely. And uh, I don't, I don't want to go any lower than six with my own pick. Just for the record, I went five. Sounds good. I, th- I mean, I think the Avs could have a 3-1 advantage and then drop game five. I, I, I could see that pretty easily. And then they and just, and I think they... just crush game six. And a circle but... quickly. Yeah. Circle quickly back to <laughs> that question about who was in goal for the Tomb Vegas episode. I went back and looked it all up for the five losses. Flurry was in net for three. Leonard was in net for two. So it's as even as even gets. Yeah. Well, thanks for looking that up. I was curious if it was somebody they might hedge a little bit more towards. The more you know. And uh, the main main thing that I know is that we have been on the air for two hours at this point. And I think it's time to go ahead and bid everybody adieu because by the time the show is over, it's probably time for the game to start at midnight in Newfoundland. <laughs> <laughs> So, put, on, put on the coffee. Thank you all very much for being here. We will let y'all know when the next show will be right now, because we're going to probably have to do it on Saturday again next week, uh, because there's a game scheduled on Sunday. So, whatever happens this week, whether the Avs are up 2-1 or 3 to nothing, uh, we'll definitely talk about it here. And if it's something other than that, then you can blame me for cursing it. See you then. By the way, uh, I, yeah. I changed the bitrate on my headphones specifically because the buzzing came back, and that stopped yeah. the buzzing. So do I sound normal to y'all? I yeah. do. Yeah, yeah you, sound you good. Sound, sounded normal. You, yeah, Vlad, you, we had an adventure last week <laughs> with the audio. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We Not had to stop I, and I, start I, like 15 times because I kept hearing buzzing in my headphones. And we're like, well, we don't hear it, but... And it didn't make it to the recording, either. Yeah, it, That's no, the you're... important part. <laughs> it was specifically I, I that, it because and... of that, I couldn't tell what the audio actually sounded like. Because what it sounded like to me was like y'all were talking through a piece of tinfoil that had a rip in it. Oh, we were the kazoo squad? Yeah. <laughs> but as soon really as I unplugged my headphones and plugged them back in, it went away. But sometimes I would sound like crap after I did that, so I had to do it again, and then it would fix it. Oh. <laughs> it was a, it was pretty disastrous. Um, 